I just want to say, you did a very good job. So good job. It's that thing where you're actually kind of smart. Things you say make you sound dumb. Yeah, we both do that. What's that called? Nope. Yeah, but you're a little different, Dad. Stop saying sure! Oh, it drives me crazy! I think most people just ignore the tough questions. This isn't Minecraft. This is real life. You are hilarious. <laughs> that was not the dog, Dad. That was you. <laughs> yeah, to solve this, we have to completely ignore the main problem. <laughs> that makes literally no sense to me. I just want to die. And that, my friend, is one of my favorite things about you. Hey, welcome to Renaissance Radio. Thank you so much for selling all of your shoes so that you could be with us today. I'm here with Harley Alby. Hey, Harley. Hey, Jeremy. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too, man. We just spent a, a full work day to de- together today with our day jobs. And um, the other day, you I was talking about how I think that um, as Renaissance Radio evolves, there's going to be like kind of a variety show aspect to it. There's obviously going to be a, a line through it of what we're doing. You know, Renaissance, you guys have heard a lot about that. But also, there's just different things, some things in the field and other segments and things like that. And you came to me and you pitched kind of a, a regular segment because I think it makes sense that we do a regular segment together. Um, and let's start with like the opening kind of idea. What did you kind of think from the out? Yeah, just initially, I found myself getting really interested in these moments in what I'll say culture uh, that have this just like sudden amount of hyperactivity there's often some disruption at play yeah and uh it can have like kind of dramatic change um you know to to somebody's life if they get in on it and at the very least i just find those moments really interesting yeah and those are conversations that i find um you know my contribution usually is exploratory and curiosity based it's not really authoritative so we get into certain situations where we get into topics where i've spent a lot of time in the world and it's like all right, what does Jeremy think on this? But these are specific topics where I'm like, well, that's really interesting. And it triggers for me a lot of curiosity around what's going on and are these market factors at play? And what about the behavioral side of things? But I don't have the answers to that. And I think that's really cool that you oftentimes have immersed yourself more in that. And I think in the area of strategic curiosity, we're going to give this weekly segment a shot. And specifically, you know, we can't be too specific yet because you're always exploring on what this is going to become. But this segment specifically, we did some clarity work together and really just like dove into if this or this against this. And we started like comparing different things. And I think what you were saying, and tell me if I'm wrong here, from where we kind of landed and it'll, it'll continue to grow. But it seems like things specifically that uh, interest you in this area are disruptive. In other words, there's something breaks or someone gets, you know, revenge or it's this weird market shift. Uh, number two, you can participate in it in some way. You're not just observing it. There's some level of like, I can kind of be a part of this in some way. Yeah, at least I have an option to be a part of it uh, in, in a you know small factor for sure. It's not like, hey, these billionaires are doing this billionaire thing that billionaires can do. That's not quite as interesting to you unless you can in some way touch it in some way. Yeah, or if I can take that concept that those billionaires are doing and go like, oh, this fits in this really small area. That's right, my life. yeah. And the third, the third part that I kind of felt like I was hearing from you was that you really wanted it to be something that turned its output was fairly close to its event. In other words, excuse me, in other words, you're not looking for something that was really cool that hypothetically 40 years from now might do something. Yeah, that sounds boring. Yeah, so so through kind of like digging into that, some of that clarity stuff, it was like, yeah, that's so Harley. 
um, you already had it, but it was like um, topics. Let's throw out like a bunch of topics here today and just some of the things we ran into that were like, oh, we've talked about these things and you've really been kind of driving the information on it. Uh, well, I mean, like, you know, there's the fan controlled football league that oh, I'm intrigued yeah. by. Super my, interesting. My love of sports. Yep. Mixed with just that being gamified. Uh, I was really intrigued by what was happening with Reddit and GameStop. And no oh, AMC. yeah, 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 exactly. So what that about, was really weird. Um, you also had, like, we talked about things like the NFL draft is a staple. What's the difference between the NFL draft and the NBA draft? Oh, let's just talk about it. Like, yeah, what, why is the NFL draft more interesting to you than the NBA draft? And how does that fit with those kind of filters that you have? Yeah, I follow the NBA draft, but just not as closely as the NFL draft. And that's mostly because rookies just don't have a significant impact in the NBA very often. When they do, they're often superstars. They're LeBron James, they're Zion Williams. You kind of already know. It's not really just, it's disruptive, but it's not like you see it coming a mile away. This guy in junior high, six foot seven, yeah. he's dunking and he's better than everybody else. And you're like, oh, that really athletic, awesome guy is better than the other guys. And yeah. It just happens. Right. But in the NFL, rookies can come out and be a huge difference maker. Often some of the, you know, some of the most common teams that win Super Bowls have really important players on rookie contracts, as an example. So just okay. seeing that immediate impact by finding the stud in the third round or whatever, um, and then they immediately translate to wins on the field is really Now, fun. you just mentioned third round. Why did you bring up third round as significant? Well, you know, they say, like, first-round picks. First-round picks are supposed to be the easy one because anybody can pick in the first round. They're the best guys. What's funny is first-round picks still have, like, a 50% bust rate, so they're not easy. But third rounds, at that point, you're just kind of mining for gold. And if you find somebody one, you know, you got them at a better value because you were able to take technically more talented players before them, and they're on a cheaper contract. Less, con less money. Yeah, way less like money. Not even close. Russell Wilson was making like eight hundred grand when he won his first Super Bowl. Oh, wow. And for those of you listening that maybe don't follow that, that's, that's garbage pennies. Yeah, that's like a bag of chips. Patrick Mahomes is on a contract that'll make a billion dollars or something. Yeah. Yeah, and so if you're listening and you're like, man, this segment now, great, Jeremy added a sports podcast. The reason that we're talking about sports and probably continue will continue to have that as a partial theme, excuse me, I'm, I'm like having trouble here, uh, as a partial theme is because of those market indicators that are interesting to Harley and I. So um, it won't be just sports. We're going to be talking about things that move markets and, and kind of disruptive, odd, unforeseen, third-round type things that could affect your business as well. So there's things that we talk about all the time that are weird principles and like economic systems that we learn about and we go, wow, that would really apply at a bakery, at a roofing company, at a tech startup. And so as you listen to this part of the segment, you know, as you listen to the segment, this part of the show, that's what you're kind of looking for is those themes throughout. That's why I'm curious about it. I don't really follow, you know, necessarily any of those organizations. I don't day trade in the stock market. I'm not, you know, listening to sports radio, although Harley is and, and some of those other things. But uh, to me, this was a good fit for the show because sometimes you're stuck and you need some unconventional thinking and it takes all sorts of courage and bravery to do these weird crazy market disruptions but the second person to do it doesn't have nearly as much right what do you think yeah about that? dude exactly like what's so funny about that is it's a big deal to disrupt your space but if you're using a principle that you've seen executed in other spaces then the risk is so much smaller and so you're not jumping nearly as far to make that change there's still you know you got to see if it fits for your space but most likely you're really just 
tweaking at this point, and you you have a much higher success chance. We were talking about a specific thing that you're excited about. I think it would be a good topic for the show, which was, uh, what's it called? Are you talking about NBA Top Shots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I want to point out specifically that there was a segment of our discussion earlier today, and we'll recap some of that discussion and work through it now, but there was a segment of our discussion where we were like just rapidly referencing known goods and known bads. We're like, okay, this would be a model for market disruption that's been known good, splitting shares, for example. And this would be one that's known bad, flooding the market. And so we were just referencing like these things. And that's kind of what ends up happening. If you watch these really neat kind of behavioral or economic market disruptors, you, you kind of look at it and you go, oh, I remember this. This is from the frog tree toothpaste tech startup. They did that and it worked. They ended up failing. You know when we got to talk about the movie pass. Oh, dude, I was all about movie pass. Yeah, so there's examples of people who who succeeded in their in one of their primary kind of disruptions, but maybe they took on too many disruptions or they couldn't go over the main hump. And so that's what's so fun about topics like this is like you're listening and you're like, man, I'm kind of an in-the-box thinker. We're going to take some time and just kind of chat it out on some really fun things that are happening in the market that are just different. And I think, like I said, the three areas that I seem to, at this moment, that seem to motivate Harley that we're going to follow this part of the show from is can we touch it in any way? Is it not just this abstract, weird thing that's out there, but can, is there a way to participate in some way a little bit or replicate that could be participation? Is the turnaround pretty fast? You know, like, is the, is the return on what you do pretty quick, reasonably quick? And then the third is, is it disruptive? Like, it's probably the first, really. It, that's, it, the, that's the most fun. Does it break stuff? You know, so I'm going to adjust my mic here because you're hearing a little bit of breathing here. Let me see if I can help everybody out with that. But uh, top NBA top shot was one that came up and I this was off my radar 100%. And it, it, I just so I'm going to turn it over to you here and give me a clue. Let's talk to folks as if they've never heard of it. Let's just start at the beginning. Yeah, so NBA Top Shots is super interesting to me right now. What's really bizarre about it is it is kind of experience, experiencing its first blow up. Well, tell tell them what it is. But it's still totally under the radar. Yeah. So, here's what it is. It's essentially digital trading cards. So, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna just say this. That sounds really stupid out of the gate. Yeah. Right. It's a collector's thing you can't touch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're exactly right. So it's digital trading cards. Go ahead. Yeah, it's very similar to digital training uh, to a digital trading card, and instead of it being a still image, it's a clip of an NBA player's highlight. Okay. And then just like with trading cards, they only make so many of these moments. That's what they call them instead of cards. They're moments. Got it. And then everything is backed through blockchain. And so like Bitcoin and other similar things. Yeah, quick flyover on blockchain is it's decentralized. So it's not like sitting at a bank somewhere. It's on the internet moving everywhere. People are mining it, creating it. Well, that's, and, I mean, right? sort of. That's like Bitcoin is specifically being mined. Blockchain is really just essentially in a transparent way to track a product's origin. So, oh, you so I was wrong on that. Correction. I, I guess I don't know what blockchain is. Tell me. Yeah, you were describing Bitcoin. Uh, which is also really interesting. I don't know if you knew this. Bitcoin, you mine Bitcoin by solving complex algorithms, and only 24 million Bitcoin can be mined at a given, like, ever. And so as you're mining, the algorithms get more and more complicated. The less Bitcoin is available to be mined. So that's so rather than weird. just larger supply, it just gets harder to mine them. Yeah, and you need, like, right now, the electricity required to mine for Bitcoin is as much that, like, Cambodia uses. <laughs> to mine for one Bitcoin. Can we talk about that on another Yeah, segment? we'll get to that That's later. That's so sick. I love that. So I tend to look at things and go, okay, how can I use this? How is this? And get the summary and the override. How do we move this forward to clients and things like that? But 
Um, sometimes I go like wicked deep, but a lot of the stuff that I don't go wicked deep on Harley does. So it's pretty cool. So top shots, um, is blockchained. Yeah. Let I me didn't know what it was. Honestly. Let me get back to blockchain. Yeah, real for quick. sure. So the block, the important thing about the blockchaining is it means that the cards can't be reproduced. They can't be, you can't knock them off. And that's so, big. so that's that, even more secure than a printed card. Yeah. Cause you can fabricate a printed card at home. Wow. Uh, you know, so it just prevents any kind of thing like that. So, that's what's been really key about blockchain with NBA Top Shots. Okay. So you get a moment yeah. and you buy it. And then what is it, like 10 cents? Yeah. So you, it's a lot like when you would buy baseball cards. You can buy a pack and packs can range anywhere from $10 to, you know, I tried to get a pack for 100 bucks over the weekend. And the price- Wait, $100 for a pack? Yeah, $100 for a like pack. Like in of, US dollars? Yeah, US dollars. Okay, keep going. Oh my so gosh. I tried to get a pack for $100, a pack of digital moments, guys. Like, I mean, no physical good here. Yeah. Uh, and in that pack, you get a random assortment of cards. Some are going to be common. You might get a rare. Um, and, it, you know, that distinction is just how many they made. Yeah, the the rarity system if you play Pokemon Go, if you've collected literally anything, it, kids that are listening clearly understand about unlocking tools and weapons and their gaming systems it's essentially just supply so you'll have like what are some of the what are some of the rankings you have common is almost in every system yeah uh the way top shots has it set up is it's common rare uh and then i think they have one that's like elite or something elite and then legendary yeah that's pretty common like if you play brawl stars or you know call of duty or literally anything yeah pokemon go was Similar, actually, Pokemon Go has a lot of similarities of digital collection. That's a lot of the precedent here. People have literally traveled the world and gone places and done things. That's huge for a product. If you can actually get a person to change their behavior to collect something, that's that's a purchasing, you know, like if I changing behavior for a clothing company is getting them to hit the order button or go to your store. You had Pokemon Go, people were buying mobile power packs, they were walking around and you literally couldn't get them anywhere. So that's kind of cool. So there is precedent for collecting digital things like this. Yeah, there's some precedent for it, for sure. I think part of the problem is it was difficult to do it before blockchain. Blockchain is a big key in making this possible. That turns it into an actual currency. Basically, Whereas yeah. Pokemon Go, you're collecting, but the game isn't really affected by, you know, the value of your Pokemon doesn't go up or down based on the value of somebody else's collection. But this is an actual currency they're creating, essentially. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, that fluctuates in value. That's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. But here's how crazy this is. So you buy a pack for $10. That pack is only going to have common cards in it. I think you get six. So you're paying 60 cents a card. Okay. Or, wait. No, I didn't do my math <laughs> right. Uh, uh, you, 82 cents. 82 cents 82 a card. cents, yeah. Those, six for six, $10 is definitely the, 47 cents, for sure. The... The cheapest common card on the marketplace right now. So you can get on top shots and you can sell cards to people and buy just individual cards. Is there a well. place where you see your collections and stuff? And yeah. And you can trade there. So there's like a set marketplace you can go and look at. Yeah. And then you can also like right now on the website, you can just see your own collection too and okay. like watch the highlights and stuff. So you buy these commons, you're getting them for whatever the dollar amount or penny amount is. Yeah. Most recently they're selling for like the cheapest one is $24 for a, for a common card that costs 82 cents. Pretty consistently, you can flip it for that. Yeah. If you got it in a pack, you can almost definitely sell it what for $24. What are we doing right now? Why are we not doing that right now? Uh, well, your boy bought some. Okay. So, talk about it. So <laughs> I uh, I just bought two cards. I couldn't get the pack, so I paid market price for those. Wait, what was the experience of getting the pack? Why couldn't you get the pack? Just oh, buy the my pack, gosh. Bro. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I tried to buy a pack. I tried to buy a 
rare pack for a hundred bucks. I was ready to drop a hundred bucks on this. Okay, was this was this like a shoe release basically where they there there's a limited number and they're like yeah what that's, was that release that's pretty much spot on. So they were only releasing right around ten thousand packs. Oh my gosh, now, at hundred dollars. I I found out about Top Shots two weeks ago when a LeBron James Top Shot sold for two hundred nine thousand dollars. So Go on. a moment, I was like, "Whoa, I gotta figure out what's going on here." Yeah. So I got in, I checked it out, and they had roughly forty thousand users at that time. I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm pretty early to this," which is simultaneously nothing and amazing. You know, to get forty thousand subscribers to literally anything is huge from scratch. But yeah. it's, it's supported by the NBA. It's it's official. If you're a basketball fan, you know about it. Right. Well, at some maybe point. not yet. Not yeah. I just learned about it like yesterday. Some players are getting in on it though. They're, they'll buy their own top shot, their own moments and stuff, which is oh, kind of cool. That's gambling. But right. Yeah. But uh, so I get on it and I go, okay, so they're gonna do drop with ten thousand packs. I got a one in four shot. I'll take those odds. That's pretty good. You know. Yeah. And then two weeks later, the drop happens. And they had over 250,000 people in line to get a pack. What on earth is going on? Yeah, in two weeks, bro. And what was the total sale number? Like, how many were they selling? Like, they sold 10,000 packs. Okay, so 200,000 people didn't get in. Yeah, exactly. Unbelievable. And could you only buy one pack? Or when you got your turn, you you could buy... you could only buy one pack. One pack per person. Oh, my gosh. You know, there there were some concerns about fake accounts, but I'm pretty sure they purged all those fake accounts before then. Okay. So... So what else you got on this? What's so interesting about this to you? So obviously, the supply and demand is really interesting. That move that selling digital goods like that, there's a couple couple factors at play there. There's the throttling of demand, or the the throttling of supply, which creates... In some cases, demand, but not always. Like you, can, you know. Yeah, what I find so interesting. Well, there's there's so much that intrigues me for by this. One, there is like you know a little bit of that get rich quick feel to it. Right, getting you know, early. We've watched. We know they're bubbles, right? Like we're not idiots. We know that AMC and you know all the the stock boys, like all that stuff that are just driving up old nostalgic stocks. We know that's a bubble. The second everybody gets out, they're gonna get out and it's over. Yeah, but like it's fun to be in the bubble. Right, and like there are people who have, like, basically turned themselves into multimillionaires by jumping on the GameStop bandwagon at the right time. Yeah, and I'm not saying I'm going to do that. I'm not going to invest all my. No, assets you're in within this. the first two hundred thousand. But it's just so intriguing. I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And yeah. See what happens, you know. And so, uh, you know, that just get rich quick thing is fun to be a part of, especially at a small scale. Right, can't um, be. Your, I mean, we we're fully committed to our day job. And yeah. And like it's not instead of that, but just on the side, it's just a fun little. It's cool. It's like throw, flipping sneakers. Throw a ten dollar bill down. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. And then so there's that mixed with the fact that, um, you know, it's really intriguing to me to see if this turns into Bitcoin or if it turns into Beanie Babies. Right on. And here's the thing about Bitcoin and Beanie Babies: if you apply the same time frame to it, Beanie Babies didn't pop. It took a while. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think we know what happened. You yeah, know, it was almost completely based on supply, and they turned that off. Yeah, that's that's the key, man, and that's the that's what Top Shots has to figure out too, right? Because they control the supply, and so they're creating artificial scarcity. And so there are a lot of brands that do this, where they make they just make up scarcity. This has been Supreme's business model. Yeah, and so the the balancing act is always: do we ruin this? Basically, yeah. When do you cash making, out? As I many mean, as we can. What I mentioned to you earlier, which I, I think is right. I mean, the blockchain summary wasn't right, but we'll try this one. Is that uh, 
essentially they they had two hundred thousand people waiting in line. They want to keep that number of people waiting in line, but even at a billion customers, you know. So you'd mentioned like they haven't even opened up China yet. There's a huge market, NBA market there. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think there's a little bit of a long term play here. I don't know that this is an asset that I would try to retire with, of course, but I do think that, you know, I, if it's more of a buy a boat, the people in now are early enough that like eventually more of the of the NBA base is going to get involved in America. Yeah. And then I do think once it opens up to China, there's going to be a huge boom at that point. Yeah, I think so. I think you're probably right. The the problem is never I mean everybody's an idiot once it crashes. But, you know, oh, you were part of the dot com thing. It's like, well, there's a big difference between the people that were Yeah, in so the is dot- Mark Cuban. Yeah, you know, Elon Musk, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so I, it's fun to play around with. We're not definitely not turning everybody into day traders here, but it's just interesting to see like this on an obvious level is not going to work and then it does. And it's like, that's really neat. Um, one of the things that I saw that kind of reminded me of that was uh, splitting stocks. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if that's connected. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But the, I, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what are your thoughts on splitting stocks? Would that be kind of, I mean, for those of you listening, like, I guess you could throw in what happens when we split, when they split stocks. Yeah, I am not as familiar when it comes to splitting stock, uh, splitting stocks. You know, I know essentially we're taking one stock, we're, we're cutting, we're turning it into you know, five stocks and everybody who had that stock just got a lot more and then more people can, but access at a lesser value, but because more people can access, there's usually a run on the stocks yeah, and then that drives it up. So that's what I mean is like, that's a method and an economist would be able to explain it better than we would. We're just curious consumers yeah. on that. But what's interesting about that to me is that they're openly increasing supply mm-hmm. and yet everyone that already was in sees an increase in value. That's the hard part because you know, tangible cards, right. that's not what happened. Yeah, well, I mean, theoretically, could uh, you... Sp- playing cards is what I mean. Yeah, could you split a stock too much? I mean, is that an yeah, option? I mean, I think the SEC looks at it. Is it the SEC or is that the football? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Nick Saban. Nick Saban Nick Saban looks out. at the stocks. I don't know. The <laughs> FEC? FCE? B- I, I don't know, guys. But listen, uh, this is not an education section of the podcast. We're just curious about some of these things. And this informs us on which books to read. You know what I mean? So right now we're at the front end of our curiosity and we're learning about things that we think are interesting. And now we're going to go look at splitting But stocks. even like leave out government bodies here, just purely from a market standpoint, Apple just recently, well, not that recently, but Apple split again. Right. And I don't remember, do you know how much they split by what it was? Well, there was a four and there was a seven. I think they back. did. I think they did five most recently. Four or five, yeah. So would like, could they have done an eight way split? And would it have would it have been that's problematic? A great question. You we'll know? have to grab somebody. That's a like basic economic theory would explain that to us. But I think, yeah, my guess would be that there would be sort of a prestige for access. So like, I think other companies who make clothing would be an example of this. So if you're a premium clothing company and you sell really high end stuff, how do you access? This was a, a client I may be working with here in the future that sells furs and different things like that. Really expensive stuff. But it's like, what do you sell at the door? Like, what do you sell at the register that people can just grab? And are you basically grabbing the wrong customers to the detriment? Like every time, I don't know, there's a $2,500 jacket and there's a $40 scrunchie. 
are you picking up that 40 to your benefit or are you hurting yourself because every $2,500 customer sees a scrunchie? Yeah, right. You know, so that's kind of the same idea of like, is it when Apple split, these are questions not answered, but when they split, did they split in a way that made it accessible to lower middle income people to invest, but not so low? Because you can split enough to, I mean, they could have come down to a dollar. Yeah, right. So it's like, what do you do? And so that's the thing that we're going to have to watch with Top Shots is it's almost a feeling more than anything else. You know what I mean? It's like this weird wave of, is is this still valuable in your head? Yeah, well, I think right now, so the reason I think it's going to work out is one, the fact that the NBA is directly associated with it, I think is significant. Yeah. they The NBA shares in the revenue of the sales. So when a LeBron James highlight sells, LeBron gets paid for it. And they have some control of some of that. You know, with some of their rules, and they can support it, and they can advertise it. They they're, have the medium that sells from it. Yeah, they're it's in their best interest, at least in some capacity, for Top Shots to do well. That's true. So I think that will help. It's it's not like Napster early on that was in competition with the publishing agencies. Yeah, and so in this case, Top Shots could have said, "We want to make money on your players and stuff, but we want to cut you out." That would have been a much harder fight. Yeah, they would have gotten squashed, probably. Right. But you're saying in this case they're like they're with them. Yeah, they're tight. And then that combined with the fact that uh, many of the influencers who have been involved in the trading card boom that's happening right now, uh, for those unaware, like two three years ago, people in the loop started saying, "Hey, I think trading cards are going to be a big deal." Uh, Gary V is uh, is a big one that comes to mind. Kids that didn't get to have those cards when they were younger now have corporate jobs, and they get yeah. to buy them, and they get to bring their kids in on it. Yeah. And now trading cards are having their heyday. Yeah. And so those guys are looking at Top Shots, and they're going, I think this is real. Yeah. And for one, even if they're wrong, they they're have right. influence. And like, they're right for a little while. And yeah. yeah, and they're right for a little while. So the fact that Jake Paul is buying Top Shots matters. Which one's he? I don't he's the one that boxes. He's a YouTuber? Yeah. Okay. And then Gary Vee's, you know, talked about it recently. Uh, Mark's been on it for five Mark seven Cuban years owns on the some physical side. Yeah. But now they're getting in. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. And but, that's like a cabal of really smart people who are just saying, Yeah, let's do it. The funny thing about that is if you're just a day later than they are, like you know what I mean? Like if they buy them and then the de- the next day a, a, a collective audience of 180 million people on Twitter see they should get in. Yeah. You get to sell right away yeah. and get out. But I imagine they're probably sticking around. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, so I'm going to hold on to what I have and I'm hopefully going to buy more. And I also just like kind of like it. I think it's fun. Yeah. I've yeah. never really collected anything in my life. So it's kind of fun. This man. is kind of cool. Yeah. And Bitcoin messed us all up, man. Like we all yeah, had a chance. Real. We had all had a chance. We all had a very thoughtful chance early on. It didn't go fast. We all had at least a year to decide, you know what? I'm going to put 100 bucks into this. Yeah. Did you get any Dogecoin yet? Bro, I have never done none. Of you don't have any? I ain't done none of that. It's amazing, dude. Dogecoin is like half a joke, but people are buying it right now, and it's it's gone up like 10x recently. It's based on a meme. It's meme. It's a meme coin. Yeah. It's a meme coin. I don't I don't know anything about it. What's it trading at now? Do you know? Uh, No. I just know my friend bought it at like... Less, I think it was less than a penny, or maybe, I mean, he bought it for nothing and sold it, uh, and made money on it, and now it's like it's up way too much, dude. Well, the thing we're realizing is that, like, yeah, I don't want to get too deep into that, but we're realizing that this is all made up, you know. Like everybody, there's people participating now that are 
Yeah, it's at five cents now. So basically, it was a penny stock. It was at yeah. So it was a penny stock. It was at point zero zero one eight. So is it? Yeah. <laughs> so it's up. It's up a bunch. So if you put a thousand dollars in there, you cranked out. Bro. Isn't that hilarious? And it's a meme. Dude? It's literally that dog that's the meme on top yeah. of the Oh man! I invested a thousand dollars. You're in your mid twenties now, right? Yeah. And you're old. Yeah. Like this stuff. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm way farther. But I'm just saying how funny the world is moving right now. Where it's like we got kids my daughter's age, thirteen year olds who probably understand. We get it. We get the general idea. But I'm just saying some of the meme references and stuff are like, bro. I found out the other day that kids your daughter's age when they text don't use the crying laughing emoji anymore when something's funny. What do they use? They use the skull, the skull emoji. Like, dead. Like, I'm dead. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I never felt like I was out of touch until that moment. That's amazing. Yeah, I I had heard something a long, long time ago, and it was kind of anecdotal. I don't have a source for it, but it makes sense to me. They, um, I read somewhere or saw somewhere that they said that a, if you consider a generation a group of people who see the world completely differently, it's been 15 years for, like, ever. So a 30-year-old and a 45-year-old are significantly different in the way they see the world. 15 and 30, 45 and 60, and that feels right. That yeah, feels it does right. feel right. Then what I heard in that was that that has moved down now to a sub-six months. Oh. That kids that are born six months, which doesn't even register in my mind, but kids born, there, there's if you look at generations of like like systematic changes and how things are operating and how people communicate – that it's it's down to six months of that's interesting. That, it's hard to believe, but yeah. that's what that's what I heard. And so, like things that change so so quickly because of trends and TikTok and all these different things. It's like oh, your right. Snapchat, ugh. yeah, and TikTok's not going to be cool in a few years. Well, and by that rate, like maybe in the next year, yeah, you know. So it's right. just really hard to it's really hard to uh, to track these things. It's kind of fun to watch. Um, yeah, so we'll keep an eye on Top Shots. Again, this isn't a stock channel, obviously, but the things that really stand out to me that are really interesting there is you've got a digital thing that you've created. A lot of thought and work went into it. Frankly, probably quite a bit more work by a lot than printing a card. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to make. It's very hard, and they're like three-dimensional, and they're consistently designed and branded, and it feels stupid but it does it feels stupid to feel like it's stupid too like when you think when you think out loud you're like this is actually a really well thought out thing yeah i don't want to have something of huge value that i can't just show on any of my devices i have to keep it at my house and locked away like it makes sense yeah you know it's just different so the question i have for you is i'm curious you know i feel like the main thing that top shot has going for them is it's it's scarcity combined with you know like a pop culture effect right like people like the nba right they like collecting cards so right are there other businesses that come to mind or areas of the industry where you can see that combination being successful right like could a bakery have a cookie that they yeah scarcity for yeah yeah yeah. what it is to me is a, a tremendous amount of thoughtfulness in one specific seemingly insignificant thing so i think to me that's what it is there's obviously trends that happen like hoverboards Mm. or like um, certain cute bracelets and things, but they're so easy to replicate. It's really, really hard now to create something that's your own that nobody else can just grab. And I think I watched a, a short documentary that showed that those hoverboards that are wildly popular, like we still don't know who invented that. Interesting. It got knocked off so quickly yeah. that the knockoffs were hitting the market at the same speed. It, like it, We just have no idea who made it. So I think, I think what's crazy is like, 
having that level of difficulty would be a factor that I would look at. Attention to detail and absolute saturation of thoughtfulness. And so like you can tell in this one moment, there's all sorts of depth to the decision that went into that. It wasn't just like a quick thing. So I would say, you know, my restaurant concept market chef would be a thing, um, but doing something seemingly insignificant, doing not very many of them, having a great story, great visual identity. I honestly grab anything. Just, I mean, honestly, right? Like we talked about in a previous episode, we talked about uh, a friend that makes a baked item, specific baked item. I don't want to talk about it specifically, but if you took that and you took, and you told the story of how it's made, you told the story of the background, you told, you, you took incredible detail into how it was baked and how it was, and you just specialize it down, 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 down. And then you limit it. You say, I'm only selling 25 yeah. today and you have to pick it up here. I just think, I think it's almost a guarantee these days. Really? Yeah. Now, can you scale it? Right. How many, you know, I'm going to make, I'm going to say donut. It's not a donut, but how many donuts do you need to sell to make a living? You got to do that math. But I would say popping it up in seven locations and there's only 15 donuts at each of those locations, like maybe. When we're out, we're out. We're in, when we're hot, out. Hot Chicken Takeover did that for a while. That's right. Yeah. We could talk about that. Hot Chicken Takeover is a cool place here in Columbus and they uh, have a heart for, you know, people that are like maybe having trouble finding a job because of their history or past. Yeah. Which is really cool. And then, yeah, tell, go ahead. I was skeptical because I was so bored with the like. Fried chicken. Well, it just, it was the thing you did, right? Like it was just like okay, fried chicken's easy. It, and people weren't making it stand out. They were just frying large amounts of GFS chicken. Right. You know, yeah, you're not totally the, right. And so I was just like, eh, whatever, like fried chicken. And I was coming off of some pretty good food. And then you took me over there, and it was like basted and juicy, and the yeah, bread was really good, and it was I mean, consistent. As, as far as fried chicken goes, it's as good as it gets. But um, why did you bring that up in the context of this? I brought it up because now they're they're popular enough that they've got this figured out. But when they first started, they had one location – in the North Market here in Columbus, and they were super popular, and they just wrote on the, they had a board in the restaurant how many pieces of chicken they had available for that day, and when they sold out, they were out. You couldn't deliver. There was no way to, I mean, you just had to show you up and get in line. stood in line, and you had to get in line soon enough. And I think it kind of played into their early success. Now, it was also an incredible product, right, as far as fried chicken goes. Yeah, that's another thing is, is first of all, it's a, the name just... Is so grabby. It is a really good hot name. chicken takeover. Yeah, how I bizarre mean, too. Takeover. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. How do you put takeover in a restaurant? In, in a single restaurant that's literally guaranteed not to expand because it only sells ninety two pieces of chicken. <laughs> <every day. laughs> you know what I mean? So like, yeah, it, it had. But that's my what I mean about the thoughtfulness. They were thoughtful about the people that they put in the organization. They were thoughtful about the product they did. They obviously made it well. They were thoughtful about the name, and they were thoughtful about scarcity and oh i mean you just have to pack a lot into a little these days i think and i just talked to so many businesses that are all about options and i'm like you're already done you're toast because not only are you you know you still have the same 186 things and how are you going to be that thoughtful with 186 things and by nature you can't because the whole point is that you're drawing attention and kind of like this desire towards this one thing. Right. You literally can't when you're selling that many things. You totally. just can't. And so, yeah, I think that's one example of it. Obviously, fast fashion has figured it out. You yeah. Know, shoe companies have done it. Yeah, um, that's so interesting too, man, in the fashion space because like, I don't know, you think it would have, you think we would have like figured it out by now? You know, and it's like, like what the number is. Well, yeah. And just like 
everybody knows that they're just going to make the next cool thing. And you yeah. think they'd be like, no, this last thing you made is cool enough. I don't need the next one. But it, that hasn't happened. And I know I'm not the guy for it. So it's also yeah. not for me. But Well, I think we talk about artificially throttling supply. Um, I mean, that might not be fair for some of these things. So, for example, there's definitely a turning point with scale. I know with um, the company that I started with uh, the, the wooden products that were for photographers, that company, there was a literal moment. There was like an actual scale moment where we, ha- we would have had to reduce quality. Like there was just a moment where the story so we were you had t- real scarcity, not artificial scarcity. scarcity. Yeah, and and you know supply. Like one of the things that I did, just this is a tip by the way. Like learn to sell the scraps. That's a huge tip. Which is um, what I mean by that is when, for example, lumber is graded by how clean it is by how the length of it. So like selecting better lumber. Thanks, Dad, for teaching me all this over the years. Is for trim because shout out to all the dads. Shout out to the dads, right? And lumber. Shout out to the trees. So when you get a tree, it's not made of plastic in most cases. So it's made of wood. And so <laughs> there will be, uh, I don't know, like when this is going to air and if there's going to be plastic trees. Yeah, there. right. But um, if you have a 16 foot long, as an example, piece of wood with no knots, no defects in it, that's really rare. It's the quality of the wood and the length of the wood. And that so that would be compared to like a rare Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> top no way card. connected, but except for the word rare. Oh, yes, got it. Okay. Exactly. But it's not as uncommon to find a section of a piece of trim wood that's four feet long or two feet long or one foot long without defects in it. So you have you have kind of this combination of like the quality, but also how much you can use at once. Right. And so what we were able to do, we're making products that are 6, 12, 18, 24 inches long. So we could take what was very, very poor quality at a 16 foot length. We could use the highest quality cuts of those smaller pieces. And so when we're buying our materials, this is one of the early kind of victories, we were able to buy materials that were the highest possible grade at that length mm. versus we would it would have been very easy for me to say, hey, let's buy the 16-foot best stuff because we we've committed to use the best materials and then we'll cut it down into small pieces. And so... But that would have been more expensive. By like 10 times. Yeah. So, you know, all I need is this four-inch section that's perfect, six-inch section that's perfect, 12-inch section. And so that that's how we did it. And so learning how to sell waste is something that, you know, because it's categorized as waste because it's original purpose. It's the old, it's the old like, I think I've seen this illustration a million times, but somebody looks at the forest and they have an imagination bubble and they see, um, you know, the wood. And then the next person sees the wood, they see a chair. The next person sees the small piece of wood and they see a pencil. And like it... At certain points, the waste becomes actually more valuable per pound than yeah. than the rest. There was, I think, I mentioned this in a previous episode, but they were selling sawdust at one point. I was about the, to bring up the sawdust. Yeah. I'm glad you did. Yeah, like the sawdust is really useful in padding uh, the paddocks and the um, talk about plosives into the mic here for horses and the arenas and stuff. And so, the thing that's a waste for a furniture shop is actually a valuable. Um, material for someone like that. So if you took per pound and you reassembled it into wood, at one point they were probably getting more for the sawdust <laughs> than they were for the wood because of its repurposing. Just, so just cut this up into sawdust. Yeah, exactly right. And so, you know, that's the kind of thing that like you can find. So it sounds silly, but if a restaurant has guaranteed 20% waste to get to their quality, 
and you can partner up with that restaurant, instead of them throwing that away or donating it, you give them 20% of the cost or value and you make it into a brown bag lunch, for example. That selling of the waste is a scarcity thing that happens, but also creates exponential value as the cost reduces. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's that's so fun. That stuff is so fun. Um, so some other topics before we before we go here, um, you know, that we wanted to cover with you in your segment. We haven't named it yet. We're gonna come up with something off air, but uh, I'm excited, man. I think we're gonna make it our Dude, own thing. Let's but let the listeners name it. Absolutely not. Yeah, let's let <laughs> no. let's let the listeners. Okay, name it, dude. we'll talk about that off air. I think that's a really great thing to talk <laughs> about off air. So um, you may notice the regular segments, the guest segments, are all run on sentences, which I thought was fitting. perfect and fitting. Yeah. Um, oh, but some other topics that we covered. I think we added a couple new ones as we were talking too. But what were some of the ones you had in your notes? Uh, another one I'm excited to talk about is a booming social media that is probably going to replace TikTok. And the name I just blanked on, so let me look at my phone. It is called Clubhouse. Okay, I've seen that come across my desk a couple times, but I don't have any context. So I'm really excited to talk about that one. A little bit of context. It is audio only, and it's all live. So Shut that's mouth. the whole thing. Oh, and my gosh. I've got a lot that I'd I'm love a little to stressed talk out about it because the only time I do that right now is on Call of Duty when we're on a squad. And <laughs> I'm sorry, Patrick, but he's a good friend, but he, we don't get along in that one setting. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to hear that but that would be interesting to listen to right because people can work out their ideals and yeah the you have rooms and there will be so many people in the room that are on mic basically so think like you used to go to a conference and they yeah. would have speakers sitting so you on can stage. have a panel discussion and exactly stuff. Yeah. so it's panels it's digital panels and, and they'll open up for questions i do think they do that yeah and then you can get in and just like listen in and then when it's gone, it's gone. It's not recorded. You can't go back and listen to it. Like you got to get oh, in now. You have to be there, dude. Do you remember? Um, this, I'm so sad that this ended so poorly. Um, there was a misunderstanding on it that like the idea got leaked. My friends, like a couple guys and I, were working on this idea and it got leaked. And then it was kind of like that whole like who talked, but it was that pop up app. Oh yeah. And we were gonna we were gonna just drop information in locations, and you could only see it if you were in that location. And I still kind of want to do it. I want to call those guys and kind of want to do it because I think it was, it was knocked off. The name and everything was knocked off. And what a uh, bummer. Probably, you know, if it was me, it was my idiot young self talking on an airplane to some guy. Yeah. The other thing though is like same name, nobody, same function, everything. Nobody knows about it, so it's not like it blew up. That's true. That's true. But um. That idea of limiting, like we talked about scarcity, you can, limiting to a location is one way to do it. But also what Clubhouse sounds like, what, and we'll talk about that another time, but it sounds like they limit to a time. That's one, that's the scarcity. You have to be there at that moment. Yeah. And right now I think there's a little bit of FOMO because the only way to get in is if you're invited. Oh, that's brilliant. By and the way. so there's that's a little so bit of tested. like, that's so obviously like well right. known. What's funny is it didn't work for Google plus. They tried that and it didn't work, but it's working for these guys. That is so off brand for them. Yeah. Like, you know, let's Google something if you're invited. That doesn't fit. And what's crazy, man, is like influencers matter so much with this stuff. Like Elon Musk got on it and yeah. it blew up because Elon interviewed. I can't remember who he interviewed, but he got on there and did an interview and it was like a huge deal. And just the fact that he was on it and did this important interview, it like validated it. So that stuff matters a lot. It does matter. Some other topics. Uh, I was really excited. These are basically topics that I'm like. Oh, dude, that's so interesting. Har uh, Harley's really good at finding these things based on his interests. I'm like, man, that's so interesting. Was Taylor Swift? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, Taylor Swift uh, re-released all of her music onto Spotify and renamed it. And so without giving anything away, she had a really nasty, like kind of almost some would say predatory contract where she was not getting what she deserved. And what's crazy is the whole music industry has that same contract. Like hers wasn't especially bad. The artists have just been okay with it. Getting, you know, getting the short end of the stick for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What were some other ones? What did you had a bunch of notes there? Uh, Yeah. The other one that I was, I was excited to go into deep on and we'll do that later is the fan controlled football league. Uh, primarily because they are gamifying sports and Dude, tapping into. I watched a clip and there was like, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, well, it, it was so funny. Like I was just like, what is happening? And it, did they take a vote or something? Yeah, bro, that's exactly how it works. So you get on the app and or on Twitch. I mean, can they be like pillow fighting or something? No, it's not okay. quite like that. But fans call all the plays. So after the play, it pops up. Hey, do you want to run or pass? Run. All right, here's four runs. It almost one. sounds like that got started sarcastically by actual football people who are like, oh, okay, you think you know what to do? <laughs> Try it. Great. And then there's a team that's secretly only run by actual football guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's so sick. So the fans, you can actually participate. And like they draft the team every week. So there's a pool of players and they redraft the players to a different team. So the fans get to get in and draft the team. If there's a challenge, the fans decide who won the challenge. And so... Everything is just totally unbelievable. Gamified. What yeah. a mechanism that could be put in so many different places. And the other thing that's really neat that this will, we'll have a lot of fun talking about this is the better you do picking plays and making those decisions increases your like fan IQ and then your votes matter. more. So you become an influencer in this space. Basically. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. I hadn't heard anything about that. Um, yeah. That's awesome, man. There was a few other ones. There was even some others. Let's give them some teasers. Can oh, you think off the top of your head. Man, those were the ones that I like went deep into. Uh, I would love to talk about Movie Pass. I'm a big movie buff, and I was a part of Movie Pass when it came out. Movie Pass was basically hacking. It was very Napster esque. If you're not familiar with Napster, it was free music sharing. And I, I thought he was just a straight up criminal. But as I learned more about it, he actually was basically trying to understand and build Spotify and those sort of type businesses. And he's yeah. a shareholder, majority shareholder, uh, not maybe majority, but a shareholder in Spotify. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He was just so early. He was so early. People were like, look at this horrible criminal that's trying to give away all the free music and ruin the industry. And he's like, no, that's the way this is going. And it turns out they like basically crushed him and then found out he was right. <laughs> you know, so. Um, uh, yeah. Movie Pass, man. What cracks me up about that one is uh, they like kind of knew that they were really? done. Yeah. They're like, well, let's just see what happens if we make this $10. And then try to figure it out. And movie couldn't. pass, you just bought a pass and for a fixed price, and then you go see however many movies, and eventually it was like only like two movies or Yeah, they're just freaking out. Dude. Yeah, and but like they didn't have a partnership. So they basically just were paying for people's movies retail. Yeah. And so they were experimenting. But that's what's so cool about this stuff is they try something and you go, That was awesome. That part of it, what they proved is that people would buy it. Right. Well, and that's the thing, man. Movie theaters are struggling. Like, I love going to the movie theater. Even pre-COVID, movie theaters were in a dire situation. I liked it because I was never near anybody. (laughs) Seriously, like, you would go in and you'd have this whole place to yourself. Yeah. And there was a lot of space because people aren't going. Right. And so I'm still going to movies now when I can. They're not releasing any. But even pre-COVID, movies were dying. And so it's like... How do, what do we do to movie theaters? Movie passes like, hey, people still want to go to movies. They just don't want to spend this much. Yeah, it's really the popcorn. Yeah. Like it's like it's the model is bad. And so now it's like, okay, so we know that there is still real value here to the consumer. Look at these millions and millions of people that committed every month that they would go to the movies. Basically what they showed. It reminds me of the Napster thing a little bit where it was like, hey, this is where it's going. 
and then and then they went to war. We'll talk about this, but and then they went to war with MoviePass and then tried to do what MoviePass did. Yeah. And it was the same conversation as we were talking about with Top Shots, where if they'd have went against the NBA, they'd have been done. But Squashed. they partnered with them and said, hey, we can do this thing. Let me show you how. And probably MoviePass by clearly just saying, forget you guys. We're just going to do what we want. I bet they tried. Yeah. But, you know, didn't, didn't get in the they road. just got stiff-armed and they're like, all right, whatever. We'll talk about that. I always feel like they should just make that an experience center around the mall like make it the place to go eat and bro you know my idea you want movie pods movie pods dude you're so dumb it's a good idea that it's i will idea. never be able to actually listen do. i i take it back you're not dumb it is one of those ideas it's a very front-end idea yeah you're right and it's very expensive to make uh, cheaper than building a movie theater well building a movie theater is expensive yeah but this, so is, this is slightly this less is cheaper than that bro. <laughs> this is my friend who's got a works at taco you don't work at taco bell but this, <laughs> you know it's like the friend that comes to you that works at taco bell and you say can you afford that jaguar <laughs> and he goes a lot cheaper than a maybach <laughs> <laughs> again nothing wrong with working at taco bell we're both willing to do it if we need to like we would do it if we had to how do you know i don't i'm with you every day i work with you every day yeah but you don't see me on the weekends you work at Taco Bell on the weekends? Are you trying to convince me you work at Taco Bell on the weekends? Is that what we're doing? I, I'm just saying, dude. <laughs> Maybe I do. Yeah. All right. So, uh, sick, man. I'm so excited. This is kind of a great introduction to, the, to this segment of the show. And, um, you know, I should let you go because you got to get some rest because you work at Taco Bell on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you have ideas of what this segment should be called or things you'd like to hear us talk about, feel free to uh, reach out. Again, I don't have my production team set up yet. I just recently got my... Uh, helper my assistant that's been helping great uh to do those things but we're still working on the production side so there's some still some holes in some of the social media and things and some of the links but we'll continue to get that figured out and i'm just really excited about where the show's going understanding things like uh, how to listen a little bit better and um you know some of the production issues i had in the early days we're starting to get rid of and it's kind of fun i heard i heard a stat that um you know 10 episodes is really the death episode it's just if you have, I think I referenced this in the show before, but if you have something to talk about, it's just hard. If it's not an idea that has legs, uh, it won't last past 10, you know, statistically. So we got to get to 10. You and well, me. yeah, I mean, yeah, this is actually probably going to be episode in the scheme of things is probably episode 14 uh, right now. So we're already cooking. Look at us, dude. Look at us. And actually, your uh, episode 11 today, our gear list episode, just That's where right. we just rattled off, excuse me, random stuff that we like is kind of cool. So. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening in. Harley, thanks for coming by. Um, I'm really pumped. Um, in the future, when we have some participation online, as we build that, we'll be able to maybe put up some topics and, and have people rank which one they want to hear in order. Oh, yeah. That would be really fun. Be fun. But there's a there's a plethora of things that we can talk about with interesting markets. Like, I mean, even just, you know, silly things like my kids, we just love, love, love the library. Is that is that all straight, like, tax revenue or is there some sort of economic structure like what are what's the relationship of late fees are those real now do late fees actually contribute to how the like do you have to be bad with books I to help the library stay open i haven't had a late fee because like, you just my, stop going my library doesn't like do them is that right yeah they're just like if you want to steal a book i don't know yeah they just don't like, i don't think they do them you can have a certain number of books out at a time they're like just bring your book back that's, that's awesome. So maybe it's not as interesting as I thought. Maybe it's just tax revenue because they're building a huge one next to us. Yeah, I think people like like free stuff, and then I got you. I think people want to keep using the free thing. Oh, dude! Last <laughs> night, this is the this is the final final thing for me. But last night, I was walking the kids through cassette player. A what? We, a cassette player. 
Um, Can you explain what that is for yeah, sorry. the Yeah, sorry. People that work outside of Taco Bell know what that <laughs> is. So, uh, t- uh, and again, nothing wrong with that. Keep it up. Get that grind. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you for service. Um, no, I, th- I thought you were talking. No, no, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking <laughs> to this listener we have. Um, so we were talking to the kids about the cassette player, and I'm having them, I'm doing that cliche thing that old people do, where it's like, where do you think you, you know, how do you rewind it? You know, and they have to figure out that you flip it around, and you know, I literally wouldn't have known that. That's so funny, I'm dude. So sick of you. I'm serious. But anyway, I was talking to him about that, and I was talking about like kind of how cool analog was, but obviously digital is where it's at now. It's just it's a, it's evolved. Bro, you've got an analog radio show, bro. I mean, this I is do great. the word radios in it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Check us out at <laughs> www.fm. Uh, but Bro, yeah, you know, you got an AM station. So I was talking, I'm an AM guy. Yeah, <laughs> dude, these are Baldwin jeans. So, so I'm talking to the kids about disruption and, and Claire made the assessment. She's like, I just don't know. She's like, we get things so fast now. And it's like, where will things go that we won't be able to explain to our kids where we were? I think they've kind of hit a point now where probably there's going to be things like, oh, that's funny. You used to have a token in your hand, like a card that you'd pay with. And now we just blink a certain, like there's that, but you understand what the card is. Like the kids will understand it. But I was telling them, I was like, think about the fact that your grandparents had record players and you had to be home with a big speaker to listen to music or at a concert or in a radio in the car or whatever, but to listen to these things. And then it went to CDs and it's like, dang, you can come with us. And then it went to cassettes. And I'm like, and then imagine all of a sudden this guy comes out and he's like, there's other players, but primarily Steve Jobs goes, there's going to be a thousand of these. And they're like, they just couldn't even get their space to like imagine it. Dude, take it back a little further. Mackenzie's, my wife's grandmother grew up going to school in a wagon, a horse-drawn wagon, bro. She's like, she's alive today. In her generation, she went from wagons there was like to where we are now. This is a, the Oregon Trail was a documentary. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. So you don't even get that reference. The Oregon Trail. You I know what the Oregon that. Trail no, is, dude. You never died of dysentery. I did. I played it on uh, the computer at the museum. At the museum. So, so, so I'm talking to the kids, and they can't like, they can't, they can tell I'm like trying to get them to a wow moment. I'm doing my best storytelling mm. to get them to go, wow. I just couldn't get them there. And so finally I said, okay, so here's what's going to happen. You guys go to the library. You can read your books on your iPad. That's cool. But you go to the library and you grab a book and then you return it. You do thousands and thousands of those. And then someone comes out one day and they say, here's a hardcover book right here. It's a physical book with pages and it contains the entire Columbus library in it. And all you have to do is tap here, turn or flip here. And the book becomes the actual book. Yeah. And they're just like, what? Right. And I went, that's the kind of stuff that's been happening over the last 15 years. Yeah, bro. 15 years. And Claire goes, dad, I think the iPhone just came out when I was born. She's like, so I kind of have always had that sort of thing. And I was like, imagine that happens. And they're like, oh my gosh. Cause I think sometimes we take it too far. We go, imagine you can teleport or imagine you can, you know, read each other's minds, but we don't go to the like actual thing they're holding and go. Yeah. That's a really good example. Yeah. Well, that was a compliment from Harley. That's the end of the show. Have a good week, everybody. (laughs) That's a really good example. Yeah, we're going to end on that.